0: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Start Somewhere for Mary Claire with me Sarah Vaughan. And this week I'm joined by an, just an amazing woman who's become a kind of friend and, and confident and we've swapped all sorts of kind of ideas and sustainability stories in the past weeks. And her name is Sia El Mishri. Hi Saya. how
1: are you? Hi Sarah, I'm, I am well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm doing all well today. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honoured. Fantastic. And and Saya is a writer, an editor,
0: an activist, and I would say an expert. She's like, don't call me that, but I'm I'm gonna call her that. So so there we go.
1: Oh so, no, you're very kind.
0: <laughs> well, no, you're absolutely fascinating. And I know everyone's gonna really enjoy listening to you. So Saya, as you know, we start this podcast with with asking you kind of how and where you grew up and what your early influences in life were.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, um, so yeah, where I where I grew up, so or, originally I am Arab, so I'm from Libya, which is like based in North Africa. It's the neighboring country of Egypt, because people always get confused with, <laughs> with them. Uh, but yeah, like I, I am Libyan, but I grew up in Sweden. Um, and, you know, I spent like from a, when I was literally like a little, little kid in Sweden, I, I grew up there. It was my home where I lived in Gothenburg. Um, and then grew up there until like high school years, and then I, I then I moved to uh, Leicester here in in the UK, and I've been living here like for a couple of years now, and and you know working away and everything. But yeah, I I grew up in Sweden, and uh, you know I really I, I enjoyed it. I, I don't think there was anything different, um, you know, to to what you know about. And yeah, Sweden was a nice country and and the area where we lived in you know you you were always uh in the summers you were never home literally from morning until night it was uh constantly playing outside with people and uh, and yeah it was a, a nice childhood <laughs> fantastic
0: well we we, we 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 love to hear that and and you started to become passionate about kind of fashion and 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 all things sustainability at quite an early age i mean you i mean like you're still at an early age let's face <laughs> it
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no i did because i guess like it obviously like it, you know living right now in the uk and living in sweden it was a bit of a culture shock because in sweden everything is feels much cleaner Um, uh, you know even when it comes to sustainability and recycling like somehow the uk is just just are many many years behind but in sweden you know, they really encourage you from a young age, like to be independent and, and to, you know, care for the community that you live in and all of the, all of these things. Um, And yeah, like I remember, you know, when I was 10 years old uh, and we had textiles, I don't know, this was like a primary school, but you know, we had textiles one day and the uh, teacher uh, in that school that I went to, she was really adamant on, you know, uh, making sure that kids like understand what a sewing machine is and making sure, you know, that they understand how, how to use a how to use a sewing machine. So really, like uh, for some people, you know, they fell in love with maths or science. But it, with me, I fell in love with the sewing machine, and I was sat there for hours and hours and hours. You know, coming into my free time and the lessons, trying to figure out how the sewing machine thing worked. But really, it was like there during these times where where my love for fashion, I guess, or love for making stuff started to grow, <laughs> which
0: is amazing, right? And and I mean, like Sweden really is the leader you know, and and, and and maybe not just Sweden, but the, I mean, the Scandinavia as a whole, as you said, is, is really light years ahead in terms of, of, of sustainability. And I think you've also got, in Sweden, quite a large number of like privately owned companies or, you know, family owned companies like IKEA and stuff like that who who, who are doing extraordinary things mm-hmm. in this space and kind of H&M who are really like, do you know what I mean? Really trying yeah. to lead to green values and, 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 and trying to do that. And, and I mean, you know, all my Swedish friends are are, are are you know very well educated on the environment and there are so many startups in in, in, in this area. Why, why do you think that is?
1: I think because, I mean, obviously like comparing Sweden to the UK first and foremost, Sweden, there's like what? Eight or 9 million Swedes, you know, that lives in a massive country. Whereas you probably have like 50, 60 million people that just lives in England on itself. Obviously England's like this tiny little island with so many people out there. Um, So obviously, like, even when you look at how students are being taught in classrooms, like, I was very surprised when I first came here, you know, here in the UK, and I was you know enrolled into a levels there were like literally 30 or 35 kids in one class and whereas in sweden you were literally like 17 or 18 maximum do you know what i mean so obviously when it comes to learning it's very very different to how you would absorb the information because you have more one to one time with the uh you know with the, with the teacher and and you have more time to really like immerse yourself in the lesson and in the, in the knowledge so they're very key on like you do things you know Independently, but you also like don't be afraid to challenge yourself extra. So really, like Sweden presents those opportunities, I guess, from a very young age, and always always makes you think of okay, I need to do this, 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 and obviously it depends on you know how you take that information further and go with it.
0: <laughs> so there you are, you land in the UK doing A levels into the English kind of school system, which, yeah, which must have been quite a, quite a shock, um, and. You know there you are kind of really thinking wow that you know compared to sweden you know this the uk is is unfortunately behind you know in in terms of kind of sustainability and understanding the impact so you know how you know was there a precise moment where you kind of discovered your your if you like your purpose or or or, or was it kind of a moving target for you
1: yeah no i think like i I sort of knew, you know, from from the age of seven that I wanted to be independent with myself and my life and that I wanted to do something, you know, whether I wanted to be an entrepreneur or a businesswoman. I know I had those crazy thoughts when I was seven years old, but but I I just wanted to do something meaningful, but I wasn't really quite sure what that was. So, um, and then obviously, you know, you tend to grow up and tend to live and then you tend to do different things. And I somehow, I just really liked the idea of being creative. You know, for me, creativity means that, you know, you you don't just sit down and do something like you're actively, you know, moving yourself, you are talking to people, you know, you're, you're very practical and on your feet. And that's something that I like. And also mother, you know, my main purpose in life is trying like, how can you use your creativity for uh, for justice and not necessarily for profit? You know, that's, that's something that, that I'm very key on. It's It's like how, I mean, it's great that someone knows all this information, but at the same time, if you're the only one that knows it and no one else is benefiting from it, you know, it doesn't really make sense that you absorb it. So, so yeah, but I guess, you know, by by going back to your question about when I found life's purpose, I think, uh, you know, living in Sweden was, was an experience in itself, an experience that had a lot of challenges, but it's sort of like those challenges from when I was a young age that I faced, uh, you know, that that includes, you know, it's, where you you live is not as representative as it should have been. I can only talk about from my own experiences, but I was really adamant on changing that. I was like, no, like I wanna work someplace and, and, you know, feel that I am represented in the society, you know, that everyone is talking about, but I wasn't quite sure how to do that. But in a way by me doing fashion and textiles, you know, really like I was given the opportunity, you know, where I can use my own hands and my mind Trying to create something and still be in the pursuit of that, like in the uh, in the pursuit of creating something that I think you know would have helped me to change my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is amazing, and, and and I mean, you 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 know, you really are such an activist, and 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 you're you know, you're part of a a, a kind of young sort of like Gen Z movement to really make fashion <laughs> more sustainable, which is wonderful. But I mean, as you and I've discussed, and this is really you know where where I'd love to focus is is you know fashion is also quite limited and Mm -hmm. and and you know you've had your own kind of challenges like you know shopping for yourself you know and 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 finding clothes to wear and 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 you know this is something I find so fascinating because you know I'm lucky enough to have 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 you know um you know visited you know quite a lot of countries in the Middle East and and I I worked lived for a time in in turkey you know to really see the kind of real challenges that women faced in terms of kind of what they actually wore you know to to work and outside of of of, of 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 the home and and you know i found that absolutely fascinating so love to tell it you know for you to to kind of tell us a bit about about what the challenges really are because i'm not sure everyone understands them
1: yeah, of course, no, definitely. So you know, like, given my cultural uh, different, like, my, given my cultural experiences of you know uh, myself wearing the scarf and li- being and living in different countries, you know, like, I grew up in an era in an era where, where modest fashion wasn't really a thing. Mm. Uh, literally in the two thousand and five, two thousand and six, two thousand and seven, like in the high street of Sweden where I used to live, um, you you wouldn't have anything modest. Uh, and I think people sometimes get confused what modesty is. Uh, in its simplest form, modest fashion just means that garments are a bit more loose fitted, you know, and they tend to observe, like, rather than a quarter sleeve, can you increase a couple of centimeters and make it, you know, length to the wrist and to the ankles, you know, when it comes to trousers or dresses. But also, somehow, when it comes to modesty, it it, it has been associated with a specific religion and a specific kind of people, right? So, uh, yeah, and, and it's, I don't know why that is because you know if you're Muslim and you're a woman and you want to wear modest clothes, totally fine. But there's also other women out there, you know, Western women in America. She might not believe in anything, but she still want to wear pieces that are modest to her. Uh, but somehow, modest fashion has just been associated to a certain culture and certain religion to a certain niche. And I think that's where the issues, you know, sort of arise uh, uh, because people are not quite sure how to define it, and and they think they can just somehow use the misunderstanding and turn it into something that doesn't turn out great and without really understanding what it actually means
0: yeah and, and you know I think I mean I was really lucky in, in my work that you know we actually sat down with women and went into their homes and actually had conversations and we you know really got it kind of the information firsthand and formed yeah. real kind of relationships and I think I think people are really, you know, in those positions in companies are really, really afraid of offending anyone or getting it wrong. But, but then they're not having the dialogue either, and they're not actually meeting 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 the needs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you know, it's it starts off with you have to be at a comfortable place really where you can talk to people about it like there is nothing wrong with saying i do not know how to do it but where where the wrong comes in is is when you go with those wrong assumptions trying to you know release a collection that's not really right that that you just go with your assumptions so there's nothing wrong you know if you're a company um you, you want to release a modest collection but if you're not quite sure how to do that then i think you know there's nothing wrong with with uh having people that understands, you know, the cultural differences and having them to explain it to you. Like I wrote an article uh, for eco that came out in December last year, I think it was, you mm-hmm. know, sort of a title like modest collection or four parts on the past, because really I found out like, yeah, you know, the Muslim pound, like the, like the black pound, you know, it's worth billions and billions, of billions of pounds. Um, and it's a real opportunity for retailers, brands, companies, you know, to really capitalize on right. this thing exactly like come on guys there is you know financial incentive you know for you to capitalize on it but you have to make sure that how you capitalize on it you have to make sure you get the market right um so basically why i explored in my article was you know a lot of retailers a lot of western brands per se they're not quite sure what modesty means uh, and you can argue so many factors but some of them are you know lack of uh, uh diverse voices in the company where someone works so that's why you know someone can't really tell you if you've done something wrong, because you might not have the representation in your own company, yeah, it's yeah, that's another thing. But but yeah, basically, what the article explored was the fact that you know there is a real market, um, there is real you know cons- consumers like a lot of you know modest consumers they want to be able to go in a store and be able to shop something, right? Uh, right. Yeah, and they want to go in their friends, right, and still and get something, right exactly exactly they don't want to go to i mean i told you this sarah but you know i uh, if you think of like 10 years ago right you know if we, where some retailers uh did like plus size ranges they were literally put in the back end of that store you know at an awkward location and obviously if you were that consumer that it's in those ranges, you will feel like you're doing the walk of shame <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know whether it's like plus sizes or petite. I mean, I think petite. You know, I mean, I, te- I mean terrible, right? I mean, yeah. like, 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 let's stick a label on you and make you feel like a real outsider. You know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, and when you got there, tell me what you found. I mean, it was like a horrible disaster of, of, of really, really not very, very good looking
1: clothes, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and that's the issue that you want, that you don't want to happen in your own brand. I mean, obviously right now it's COVID, it's a whole different scenario, you know, all the, the closed stores are closed, but you don't really want to put, you don't want to separate the modest consumer because the modest consumer are not just Muslim women that want something, it can be any other women. But obviously if you put put that into groups, you know, you might lose opportunities to engage where the Western consumers that wants, you know, are still wants loose fitted clothes, but not necessarily of the culture. So um yeah, that's that's really what modesty is about and, and, and how someone like you just need to be aware of these cultural differences because um, you know, it can be a true game changer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean completely because I mean at the moment, you know, really what's I guess happened in the market if when you look at the fashion market I mean some of the luxury houses have produced you know burkas and 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 and, and, and stuff like that and some scarves and stuff like that but the collections seem to be quite limited mm-hmm. and then you know some of the high street have done you know these so-called modest collections but in between is you know so I mean a lot of people are having to to travel, to, to actually actually buy, buy, buy decent, modest fashion, aren't they? Because I mean, they could, just can't find it in the UK or in America or, or wherever. They can't.
1: Yeah, no, you, you're, you're truly right. And I think there is very one Turkish retailer, um, you know, uh, I don't want, yeah, there's you know, massive one that everyone buys stuff from because obviously they understand, like, the Muslim woman, you know, she is, oh, sorry, the, the modest woman, you know, is, is as fashionable as possible just because, you know, she wears a longer... Scarf length or a longer, uh, you know, skirt length doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't want to buy something new. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, like was it two or three years ago? Uh, you know, Zara released this uh, white dress with black spots on it. Do you remember that yeah, one? I mean, I, yeah, that was I, I, I I
0: didn't buy it. I think I think I decided that that was not not worth me. But I mean, it was beautiful, and anyway, I think it was sold out by the by the time I even 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 looked. But yeah, I mean, that dress just went off. The, I mean yeah so
1: pretty, right yeah yeah that that dress you know was everyone bought it i literally i was catching on social media but there were like donuts being ma- named it, cakes pounds everything everyone which is absolutely they fell in love with this dress but something that you didn't know actually was that the dress was technically modest in itself but it wasn't necessarily called modest dress do you know what i mean because everyone was buying it literally all the women all around the world, you know, if they believed in something, didn't believe something, they bought that dress because A, it fit them nice, it was loose fitted, but at the same time, like everyone, you know, from different backgrounds could also buy into it. But also what's so interesting, obviously, in that particular collection, like Zara didn't necessarily create a modest collection on itself. That's another issue Uh, because obviously once again, you know, you're separating your consumer group. But what they did were they just literally introduced that dress in the other ranges, you know, that they did for that year. So, that's just an example, you know, they probably did it by accident, but that's just an example of how you can go on about those things. You know, there is no need to create another collection. It's just a matter of how do you include pieces? If you're truly are inclusive, you know, how do you include pieces that that sort of a fit everyone potentially?
0: <laughs> Which is so cool. And I mean, I think there are some labels, I mean, like Wixio and stuff like that. Who, I mean, you know, a lot of those dresses are are modest. I mean, you know, a lot of us are, are wearing what is fashion? I mean, particularly, I you know, in these COVID times, where, dare I say, certainly I have gained um, a, some pounds. Also, you know, I, you know there, I mean, nothing fitting is going on here, right? You know, it's yeah. so very forgiving as well. But you know, I you know, I think also, you know, people don't necessarily want to wear things which are tight fitting, body forming, and stuff like that. You know, people want to have that choice. To wear, you know, beautiful clothes that 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 are made sustainably. That that um, you know, that that that, that, that
1: are beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. people want to be able to go somewhere, you know, walk somewhere, go into a shop, and feel like they can at least buy something, you know, that is loose fitted to them, but not necessarily having it labelled it as modesty. You know, do you know what I mean? Because once again, that puts you into into a group that you subconsciously might not think of, but but, you know, there is, I think there is real opportunities, but once again, it boils down to, you know, can you as a brand, you know, get that market right? And can you truly understand the challenges? Because once again, like how a Middle Eastern consumer shops might be very different to how someone in the UK might shop. Um, for example, like certain regions, you know, like UAE or yeah. Qatar or Kuwait or Bahrain, whatever it is, obviously, you know, if if you as a woman are, you know, grows up uh, with, with differences of like you don't really associate, it, uh, you don't really associate with, you know, the opposite gender, for example. You know, you as a brand, you can either see that as a weakness or you can understand those cultural differences and try and address it into an advantage. You know what I mean? So that's another aspect, once again, you know, that you need to consider. And I think that really understands by having a diverse workforce, or at least you have someone that that can explain this to you, because I guess if you haven't really lived anywhere else except uk or whatever it is and you 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 just you know associate yourself with your sector friends and your sector groups or your work colleagues and you you don't don't really understand this foreign concept and i'm i am quoting here but um Mm -hmm. i totally understand where the lack of awareness might come from but at the same time we're living in this amazing digital age and you know you can definitely Hire a consultant. Hire someone like, like you, you, an expert
0: like you, who, who who really knows what they're talking about, to, to really help. And 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 I, I just think that's such a, a you know an amazing idea to help you know help companies navigate this because I think they are you know really. Good, you know, quite stressed about getting this right, and don't want to offend. And you know, yeah. in this sense, by not kind of diving in and really embracing it and having those very real conversations, they, as we said earlier, they kind of stand outside it, and 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 they, and they don't get it right because you know, because they haven't gone that
1: exactly exactly and and you know they haven't got it right you know because of they might not understand it and uh, i think you know the first bravest thing that someone can ever do is you take the things that you don't understand and you break them into things and you try and find ways of how you know you can understand it i'm not saying obviously you have to go to a whole different country and live there for one year you know do the whole eat pray love kind of thing although that'll be amazing yeah <laughs> um but you know there are ways where you can just include people in this conversation and have them break down Uh, you know opportunities to you of how you can go on about it because you know if you get this market right everyone will win you know you will have more customers coming in you as a brand will grow and stuff like that but you have to understand there are obstacles that you have to figure out how to solve them
0: (laughs) yeah yeah too true and i think you know be really have i'd love to hear so you know we was kind of like wrap this podcast up with, with what people's kind of top tips are or, you know to start somewhere so you know for those companies and and people who are thinking about kind of like you know this is something you want to address you know and and, and really make sure that they are being more inclusive in their collections you know wh- where do they start and what are the things that they should really consider?
1: Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, see w- what is the aim of, you know, if your aim is to release this collection that you want to attract more modest consumers, that's a fantastic goal to have in mind, but what is it they actually want to solve, right? So you have to bear in mind, you know, each of that consumer's lifestyle into account and how will they, like, what are the things that would attract them? Um, you know, and, and if you're coming up with more question marks than answers and you feel confused and stuff like that, you know, take that as a sign a sign that you should do better and a sign that you should hire someone else or unless there's someone else in the company you know that works with you that can explain those things in a very very clear communication kind of way no fancy word no fancy language explain why you know those are things on issue and how you can you know uh, uh, go on about it in a clear way I think I think that will be a good starting point. And if you don't have that person in, in, your, in your team, you know, definitely look into ways where you can outsource and then you can do it. But I think something here that's very fundamental that companies or fashion brands have to take into account is you have to understand what modesty means and you have to understand that you can't just have, like, a Kaftan in a modest in a collection because Kaftan is traditionally part of Moroccan culture. And that's not really what you know. This whole Oriental image thing is. So <laughs> sorry, I'm going off topic. No, 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 no,
0: no. I think it's very true, and I think people need to hear this because you and I have talked about the yeah. kaffir before, and it's like that's not
1: modest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just once again, it's like taking something part of a culture, slapping on a dress, and calling it modest. And sorry to you know be very honest about it, but it's just, it's just. Uh, you just need to have someone there that can be honest about things, uh, because you know to develop a collection takes months and months and months of work. So obviously, if you set the foundations from the very beginning, oh my god, you're going to have such a successful launch. So yeah, those will be my top tips.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. And how big is the modest market? Do you do you have a kind of idea of this, the size of it?
1: Well, in my article, I referenced from like the Muslim Council of Britain, and they said it's it's a a billion pound worth of industry literally billion worth a pound you know um and in a way yes there are some challenges if you don't you know familiar with it or you don't know how to go on about it but you know it's a massive 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 industry a lot of money and you know you can have an amazing return but you have to get the market right at the beginning So, look, there is a great challenge for the fashion industry. (laughs)
0: You're missing out on this extraordinarily large market, you know, where you can actually really be helpful because you're solving a problem, you know, because people are really struggling to find clothes to wear. So it's kind of like, here's a challenge. Please make your fashion sustainable, (laughs) you know, at the same time. So, so you know, uh, and, and, and make it ethically, but really do kind of, you know consider about you know serving this market and serving and serving it, serving it well and I, I I think it could be absolutely transformational and 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 not have this angst um you know trying for people trying to find things to wear i mean it's it's ridiculous in this day and age you know where where people are struggling to find things that they they want to enjoy wearing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I think people, you know, still want to go to the high street. I mean, hopefully once things opens up again, but, you know, they want to be able to walk somewhere with their friends and have that sort of, a, you know, socialization that happens and be able to walk somewhere and feel amazing and they can buy it. So, you know, that opportunity definitely exists and it's only going to grow increasingly. I mean, look at, you know, from 10 years ago and how social media has grown and it has introduced all of these other uh modest influences you know whether or not you agree with influencer marketing is a whole different point but you know it has provided with with the muslim not the muslim sorry but like the it has provided opportunities where the modest women can be heard but most importantly where a market has opened up just for her you know whether it's across in makeup lifestyle fashion you know it's it's ex- extraordinary it has never really happened or distru- disrupted the industry that way so that's just an example but you know I guess it's it's all about how do you go on about uh identi- identifying that and and yeah, yeah. And, and you can look at the success of something like who did beauty
0: I mean which has come yeah. like unbelievable right I mean extraordinary so I mean like, you know someone can do the same in fashion i mean that's the invitation so, so absolutely somebody, please, please step up to the plate. <laughs> Um, so it's been such a delight um you know having you um with me this week i'm I'm so grateful for you for for, for joining and talking about this topic and you know if people want to get hold of you how do they do that
1: um yeah i know you can find me on twitter or you can find me on uh, linkedin um yeah feel free to connect with me there send me a message and and yeah we can we can talk talk further.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah, this is the woman who can really advise you on, on getting this right. So uh, we'll make sure that we'll put her uh, her, her um, social media feeds out on our, um, when we promote this. But thank you so much for joining me. It's been such a pleasure and take enormous care and can't wait to uh, maybe interview you again when we've got several labels out there who are, who are doing amazing <laughs> things in this area.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Sarah.